0: Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula parishes. All right, we're glad to have y'all back for another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Uh, This morning, I'm joined over the phone with Dr. Trey Price. How are you this morning, Trey?
1: Doing great, Kylie.
0: How about you? I'm doing good. Well, let's get started with uh, what happened in 2019, the summer of 2019, and what do we need to be thinking about as we're going into next year's crop at this time of year?
1: Sure, yeah. Variety selection is always huge. Um, I guess I'll just stop start with uh, the crop and just kind of move through the, sure. as the season progressed. Uh, corn. You know, you usually get corn in the ground first. Um, had some foliar issues in isolated areas in, in corn. Curbularia uh, leaf spot popped up. Um, we're, I'm still not sure that, that that particular disease causes a yield loss. I, I, I've never seen it where I thought it got bad enough. We, we did have something this year that looked a lot like curvulary leaf spot, but I think it was some kind of environmental thing. Or um, uh, the, the other possibility is a lesion mimic which uh you know somebody says a lesion mimic it. it means we don't really know what it is I was about to say,
0: explain that <laughs> so, one to me because i haven't heard of that yeah before.
1: that's that's the closest that's the closest thing i could find uh you know as far as what uh what it, what, what it possibly could have been i i looked under the microscope tried to identify curvularia, tried to isolate curvularia out of it and, uh, it was not curvularia. and Another reason I knew it wasn't curvularia is I was rating the, the uh, corn hybrid trial, the official hybrid trial, and we usually see big differences as far as curvularia susceptibility in corn, mm-hmm. in hybrids, and I was walking through that trial, and it was, uh, whatever it was, was about the same on all the on all the hybrids, so um, I'm inclined to say it's not a disease, but uh, we don't know. Okay. You know, I think it had something to do with our environmental conditions. Uh, northern corn leaf blight and southern corn leaf blight in, in isolated areas. <laughs> you generally, have some people treat for that, uh, especially guys that are uh, farming, farming um, corn following corn. Um, so that that can definitely be an issue in, in those areas. And as far as we know, fungicides are still still fairly effective on uh, on northern corn leaf blight, southern corn leaf blight. The earlier applications, if you start picking it up real early at least six, it's the best time. There are big differences in hybrid susceptibility. We're going back to that hybrid susceptibility. Uh, so one of the most important decisions you can make as a, as a corn grower uh, this winter is hybrid selection. You know, which with seed you're going know, to put in the ground. So we try to get ratings for that. I can uh, uh, and companies have ratings for, for all, all sorts of diseases. Um, Southern rust always a concern. Showed up late, um, and the conditions really weren't favorable for southern rust. We didn't really, you know, it turned out really dry and hot there in the latter part of the summer, and it just kind of halted that, that disease. So it wasn't it wasn't a uh, a big deal. And even in some later planted corn, it didn't get as bad as I thought it was going to get. Um, at the end, we had some corn hitting the ground. Um, several fields had Diplodia. Stalk rot, mm-hmm. which is a little unusual. Um, it seems to be related to hybrid, You know, hybrids, some hybrids will, will do it and, and some hybrids won't. There's, there's, not much, there's not much else you can do to prevent that other than rotate or uh, or select a resistant hybrid and, and information on resistance and for that particular problem is, uh, is scarce. So um, that's about it for corn. You know, that's kind of my summary. I'm sure there might have been some other issues. Uh, the prices were really low. I'm sure all the farmers know that. Uh, once again, you know, a, a fungicide application in corn, I think, is an input cost we can save uh, in most every, you know, almost every year in northeast Louisiana. So, unless you're corn following corn, you can expect some disease pressure in that situation. Okay. So, there actually was a little grain sorghum around, and uh, anthracnose is, a, is an issue in grain sorghum. We got some really nice uh, ratings for anthracnose at the Macon Ridge official hybrid trial, so if uh, anybody's interested in growing grain sorghum in the near future, they can check those out and, and avoid that input cost of a fungicide. Um, moving on to soybean, we had some you know, stand establishment issues pretty much statewide with her, you know, it was a pretty wet spring. I know some some guys down in, in, uh, in the central part of the state that had to plant three times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there were, you know, we had some seedling disease issues. and we, You know, we also had some, uh, seemed like vigor, seedling vigor issues. It was harvest 18, um, kind of haunting us during plant 19. Because you know, seeds come from seed lots, and when you know, when the longer they stay in the field, the the um, the lower the viability of that seed uh, will be following year. So, I think we were seeing some of that. A little sluggish to get to, to get started, but once we got started, uh, soybeans, you know, conditions are pretty favorable for soybean growth and development. Um, as far as disease cause, I. Uh, The the biggest two I get in the state are are taproot decline and root knot nematode. Taproot decline is uh, pretty easy to, to identify at this point. And it can get really bad if you, if you have say two or three years of soybean in the same field. I've seen losses on the order 25, 35% in that situation in uh, susceptible varieties. But there are some varieties that are resistant. So that's another, another, uh, management option. I encourage all of our growers to get their soil tested for nematodes. We've got nematodes, root knot nematode and reniform nematode are probably our number one soil born, uh, soil born issue in the state. So,
0: yeah, that that uh, killed but, us at, at our farm this year. It, that. Yep.
1: They, they, it can get, uh, In reniform not as obvious. So, uh, You know, a lot of these yield drags and and things like that. I I encourage, I encourage our guys to get our our growers to get, um, get their soil tested. The nematode lab is is open for business in Baton Rouge. All that's, all the particulars are online for how to submit samples. Mm -hmm. Your county agent can help you. Um, and knowing, knowing's half the battle because there are resistant varieties, uh, varieties that are resistant to root knot. There's a, there's a bunch of those. Um, reniform was a little rare. Uh, Bob Robins up in Arkansas used to screen soybean varieties for reniform uh, resistance, but our information on that's uh, pretty dated. Hopefully, we'll have a new nematologist in here next year, and they can start screening some soybean varieties for us. So that's we've got three three good candidates coming in here soon uh, for seminars and interviews, and um, I'm optimistic that. That we'll have somebody in here to to fill that void next year.
0: Well, that's <laughs> exciting,
1: yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah, it is. It's uh, I'm very optimistic about it. Uh, as far as foliar diseases in soybean, uh, it's a pretty light year in, in my my perspective. You know, target spot kind of showed up right when we had canopy closure in some areas. I saw some fields that got kind of tough late, but. I'm not sure that we saw any major losses to that um, cercospora blight. I, did, I didn't have any cercospora blight in my trials in the northern part of the state, so that's a good thing. Um, aerial blight actually, we actually see a good bit of aerial blight in in the uh, northern part of the state, and um, up here, the the fungicide still works, so you can manage that disease fairly. Relatively cheap with just a strobe application. But a down south, is a different story. They've got strobe resistance in that pathogen. And uh, you have to use an SDHI, which there are three on the market now that, that'll work. Or, uh, well, next year, Balin uh, has a new compound coming out, and that'll make three. So, competition in that SDHI marketplace is a good thing. Smart growers. Um, Brown spot, I always see brown spot. I rarely have to treat for it. It just seems to be something that just kind of hangs around all season and um, makes the beans a little ugly down low in the canopy. And I actually saw some soybean rust develop later in the season. Uh, the weather really wasn't conducive for it to be a, a major issue. That long, hot, and dry spell. So um, had the opportunity to look at some peanuts this year. I think we mm-hmm. had a state record. Uh, for peanuts, you know, like 3,500 acres or something like that. They're still working to get those out of the field. Uh, but white mold was was a pretty big problem this year. I think multiple applications had to go out for that. And um, Teddy Konzo doesn't seem to be working as well as it used to, so some guys are going to other options uh, to manage that pathogen. And one thing of peanuts, if you plan on planting peanuts next spring, don't plant them behind soybeans or you'll have big you'll have major light mold problems because that's the same pathogen that causes southern blight in soybeans. So something to keep in mind there. Uh, any questions or am I missing anything oh. yet? I think I still need to talk about cotton.
0: Cotton, that's the last crop, yeah.
1: Okay. So, yeah, we had seedling disease issues in cotton too. We had uh, some of our seed treatments didn't seem to be holding because of the weather conditions. Um, it, you know, I, I'm not positive, but I think we make, there may have been some of the same vigor issues like we had in soybean from some of those cotton seed lots. They just didn't seem to have the, the oomph to get out of the ground, uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, uh, I think there may, may have been some of harvest, harvest 18, hotness and plant 19 again. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, once the crop got started growing off, the weather got right, and it started looking really good, and we're setting fruit. Uh, I think we had a couple of shed events when we had some rainy, you know, a couple of uh, weather systems come through here. Um, but overall, I thought the crop uh, looked really, really nice um, across the state. I, I haven't gotten a whole lot of yield reports, but I'm assuming we're above average. I'm, I'm not sure, though. Um Target spot, you know, it's always a worry for for growers,
0: and mm-hmm. and
1: you know, it, it can get bad. I mean, we can lose yield to it if it rains every day. Uh, but this year in July and August, uh, you know, once your cotton starts blooming in July, um, it was hot and dry for the most part. We had some timely rains, but it we weren't getting those frequent rainfall events. Not
0: here.
1: You know, where yeah. It, yeah. So. Target spot's not going to be an issue in those years, and, um, but it's, it's, it's hard to predict the future. I, I can tell growers this, that the only fungicide that, I mean, that there are fungicides that, that, that work on target spot, but the uh, pre seems to be the best on that particular organism. Uh, four ounces by ground, at canopy closure, and right when you find your first target spot lesion, that's the best timing. And usually that one application will preserve your foliage. Um, some people, some of the companies want you to put two applications, but I think you could save one if you were nervous about, about the, the weather forecast and, and target spot. But the other thing is our data tells us that most of the time that application is not going to pay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, a, it's kind of an insurance thing it's a roll of the dice and you know cotton price is so low if i you know if i were a cotton farmer i'd be inclined to avoid that input cost Mm -hmm. but it comes down to farmer preference and and the other big thing on target spot is is manage your canopy and don't put out too much nitrogen you you don't want the cotton to get rank especially if you have some strong ground Mm -hmm. uh really you really need to keep keep that canopy managed and Keep the cotton from getting rank and that, that'll that help you as well um the other the other news is uh they're reporting in other states is a is a cotton virus it's called cotton leaf roll dwarf virus mm-hmm. so that's a mouthful so i just call it clrdv um it's kind it's a, the virus is kin to the one that causes cotton blue disease uh, they have the same virus down in in, in south america and it, it can cause big issues in South America, but it's transmitted by aphids. So we have aphids pre- pressure this year and uh, we saw some things in the field and, and collected some samples. Um, the, the particular symptoms, there's a wide range of symptoms that this virus can cause. Uh, and it gets really confusing when you start naming them all off. <laughs> but one of the, one of the, the things I've seen, um, uh, from other states, is you'll have a, after the aphid infestation and aphids are controlled either naturally or by chemicals. You'll see the leaves kind of be they're yellow and distorted, and you'll see some puckering on those leaves. Uh, their veins will uh, be really red. Uh, those are symptoms associated with the virus. Uh, towards the end of the season, you can see uh, plants that kind of just kind of stick out like a sore thumb on, you know, on the edges of fields or throughout fields. They'll be taller than the other plants. Uh, they won't have any bowls on them. They'll, uh, the nodes will be stacked at the top. Um, so they kind of stand out towards the end of the season. Okay. And, uh, we, we've taken some samples, some leaf samples and I have them down with our, with our virologist and our, and our plant doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodrigo Valverde and, and Raj Singh down in, down in, on campus, and we're looking to confirm the presence of that virus in Louisiana. Overall, if what I was looking at this summer in Louisiana was in fact a virus, I would say the overall impact uh, is minimal. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna over this winter. We're gonna be sure to confirm that and and release that information to the public as soon as we know know for sure.
0: Okay. So well, I hope that's not going to be an issue for us here, but because that one doesn't sound very pleasant
1: <laughs> no it, and I don't know it, judging by this year I, I honestly and I've gone to other to other states this year and looked around and, and kind of educated myself on what to look for and um,
0: what other states
1: it seemed, it seemed like days. their losses were minimal, so okay. we'll see.
0: What other states are having this issue?
1: It's been reported uh, in um, Alabama and in Georgia. Uh, I haven't heard anything from Arkansas. Um, I think they identified it in Texas, although I'm not sure that's official. Okay. And uh, Mississippi, of course. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Allen uh, was uh, very active this year as far as going around and. Um, sampling for that particular virus. So,
0: okay. well, um, that just about takes all our time up today. And Trey, we really appreciate you joining us and joining us again on another podcast. And uh, hope to have you back again.
1: Anytime, Kylie. We appreciate what you do too. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much.
1: Talk yes, to you
0: ma'am. Later. Thank you. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit thelsuagcenter.com or contact your local Extension office.